0: 1208, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. As we do every day, we are live streaming the first couple segments of the program. If you go to Facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ, you can participate that way as well. You can also follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620 I try to send out a number of tweets, giving people kind of a heads up to where the show is going to go. Um, what, one of the, for the second day in a row, the Brewers making a little bit of news. Yesterday, of course, was the, the big story. That Miller Park, two after two more years, is not going to be Miller Park anymore. American Family Insurance stepping up in a big way, um, really developing a presence in Milwaukee to match, let say, the presence they have in the rest of the state, particularly in Madison. Um, I think, as I was saying a couple minutes ago, the real interesting second day story is what does this mean for for Miller? I mean, it's it's Miller cores is is Coors now the Coors people are they making more of the calls is the fact that um, the beer industry has gotten incredibly competitive is that a factor weighing in on whether Miller wants to step up now and commit the type of dough that you need to commit to have a long-term naming rights deal? I think those are all the fascinating questions to ask about the industry. But from the perspective of the brewers and the community and American family, it's definitely good. Today's news, um, perhaps not as as jaw-dropping, but I think good nonetheless. The brewers have announced today that their, their top two executives, really, David Stearns and Rick Schlesinger, um, both have – been re upped to new deals and given new promote, given promotions and new titles. Stearns and Schlesinger, according to the story, both given raises and contract extensions in their new role um, Schlesinger, Rick Schlesinger, who's been on our air a number of times, has been promoted from chief operating officer to president of business operations. And uh, David Stearns has been promoted from general manager to president of baseball operations and general manager um, and, and signed a new contract. One of the, the items of speculation was because of the, the quick turnaround of the brewers under David Stearns, he'd become a really hot commodity in the baseball industry. And uh, clearly, I think there were a couple other teams who were interested in acquiring his services, essentially poaching him. Uh, you mean you saw that go on with the Brewers' staff last year? They uh, they do well, and some of their coaches end up getting poached. It's just kind of the nature of the industry. But with this new contract extension and the promotion, that ends uh, gets taken off the table. All right, again, Facebook.com/slash six twenty WTMJ. We are live streaming this segment, as predicted it snowed yesterday and it snowed overnight and it snowed a little bit this morning i'm looking at the radar now and and the snow appears to be you know winding down there there's bands of snow but this is one where the the weather folks pretty much got it right. I I think they pretty much nailed when the snow was going to start. They pretty much nailed when it was going to be the heaviest overnight, and they pretty much nailed when it was going to end. And all in all, we got a bunch of snow, but this wasn't, you know, the blizzard of the ages. This was, depending on where you are, somewhere between 5 to 9 inches. Lots of warning for this. And I think, as I frequently say, and I mean sincerely, and this comes from the perspective of somebody who has no problem at all well, tweaking public officials when they don't do a good job. I think in general we do snow very, very well here. I had no trouble getting to work. Now let me, let me just offer a little caveat to that. I mean, I, I had to leave a little bit earlier. I took, instead of getting on the freeway, because right by when I, where I get on the freeway, there was a spin-out or something, and so there was a delay. So I took an alternate route. I took city streets. I and So instead of it taking me 15 minutes to get to work, it took me maybe 25 minutes to get to work. But the city streets that I took were, they had been plowed they had been salted the intersections you know were were a little bit slippery there was one point in time where i was pulling into a left-hand lane turn lane and uh, the light turned red on me and i had to kind of apply the brakes faster than maybe i wanted i, I skidded just a little bit but as long as you were driving carefully there are they're really i mean i had no problems getting to work a little bit longer but the plows were out all night and the roads were again accessible and now now, of course, uh, the snow is pretty much winding down and we're all in the cleanup phase. Well, as I said on, on Twitter, there is a controversy developing because the Milwaukee public schools made the decision that they were not going to close school today. So if you have a child at MPS, all right, this is, this is a school day. A number of other school districts in the area made the decision to close schools. For example, Menominee Falls, Mequon, Theansville. I know a couple people who um, have s- children or who work at Homestead High School. They're, they're, they are in session. Uh, New Berlin, Waukesha, Wauwatosa, West Allis, West Milwaukee. They were all Cedarburg. They, they had school today. They, they all I'm sorry, they all canceled school. MPS school was in session. Our number four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the acunate mortgage talk and text line. I understand that school officials are, are are kind of darned if they do and darned if they don't with regard to this. MPS made the decision we're going to have school. And so the kids are in school. If you have a child that lives in many of these surrounding districts, you're, it was a snow day despite the fact that I I don't think there's anybody that wasn't able to or hardly anybody that wasn't able to get into work today. So let's tee this up. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should school have been closed today in Milwaukee or did many of these area school districts miss the boat by deciding that they were going to cancel school for what was I think it would be fair to say a significant snowfall, but nothing particularly out of the ordinary for Wisconsin in January. Should schools have been closed or... Um, did these other school districts miss the boat in not following the MPS lead? Four one four I'll tell you where I come down on this, and we will discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. And again, live streaming, facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ, so you can watch the radio show unfold as well. Back with your calls in just a moment, 1215, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1218, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, MPS was open today. Many of the schools in the surrounding area were closed. Now, the the farther out you get from metropolitan Milwaukee, I I don't know. For example, I I can't speak to what the road conditions were like this morning in Oconomowoc or in Mayville or in Dodgeland or in East Troy or in Delavan or in Beaver Dam. I can't speak to that. I, I will tell you this. Based on my drive to work and and driving around a little bit. Um, I, I don't think there was any reason at all, certainly to close schools in Milwaukee and in some of these surrounding areas. Wauwatosa, West Allis, New Berlin, certainly Mequon, Thienesville. I, I think I think it was premature to pull the trigger and close schools. And now you have a situation where, all right, it's it's actually the smo- snow is kind of moving out through the area. It's 24 degrees. The sun is out in some places. No, I mean, I think at least in the immediate metropolitan area, there was no reason to close school. Again, I don't speak for some of the more remote areas because I don't know, but I tell you, around the immediate area, they had plenty of notice. The plows had been out since last night, and I, I think you could have gotten kids to school. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Tyler in Watertown. Tyler, you're on WTMJ. Hello.
1: How's it going, Jeff?
0: Real well, thank you, sir. Yeah,
1: I uh, I agree with the MPS. I don't believe that uh, they shouldn't close schools. Over in Watertown, they canceled them. And when I woke up this morning at 4 o'clock and I checked the roads, I was rather disappointed that they had closed it. It's a a huge inconvenience and a burden for parents to Mm -hmm. scramble to try to find, you know, sitters to watch the kids.
0: Right. And, I mean, at least where you were, it seemed like the roads were passable and things like that. The plows had been through.
1: Yeah. I normally leave home a little after 4 o'clock so I can be to work by 5. And I had, you know, I took a different route than what I normally do. It took about 10 minutes longer and I had no issues.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, th- I, see. yeah. I mean, again, it, it was a little bit slower today. There, there's no question about it. Um, but but at the same time, you know, t- to me, a lot of times when you want to look at closing schools, you want to say, all right, you know, what what is the timing of the storm and when is this going on? Well, because of the duration of this, the plows were out. And as again, I repeat myself, but I think we do a good job with snow around here. You know, the snow is going to be over. So there's no trouble. There's not going to be any problem at all getting the kids home from school and so this ends up becoming a free day and for the parents who you do use the schools as kind of like a form of childcare well I don't know my guess is most of your co-workers were able to get to work with no problem today and again I, I'm speaking about closer into the metropolitan area I, I don't I don't know what it was like in Kimberley I don't know you know how bad it, it was in um uh, again in in mayville but i mean around here the plows have been pretty much out since yesterday afternoon and i think they had a handle on the road there weren't excessive delays at all on the freeway there were some delays because there were some spin-outs but people were able to get where they're going four one four seven nine nine one six twenty let's talk to bill in appleton bill you're on WTMJ.
2: uh... hi i, I actually travel for a living and uh... i Namro last night and thought that we they said five to eight inches we got up there were two mm-hmm. and so I did everything I need to do but the snow itself and I live down the Racine, scene so uh, I know for a fact that I would rather travel on the highways than through the city streets because they take such good care of the highways right and as long as people aren't crazy you know you're gonna do okay. <laughs> Here you're going to slow down, and uh, I find the same thing. It's still snowing up here. Yeah. But, uh, but it's not dangerous. You know, even the city streets are not dangerous. It, when you have snow, the problem I've got is cold. Right. I mean, it, you get down to zero, one degree, and you get wind chill 25, 30 below zero. That's what I... Concern that the kids are in a car right. when the bus gets
0: there. Well, right. No, thanks. You know, see, and I, I think that that's fair. I mean, it's it's one thing. And look, in the forecast is that we're, we're going to get that cold that inevitably follows the big snows. And I mean, I I understand that, but I I'm with you as well. That the bigger concern to me is always again, given that they've got a handle on this. I mean, it's one thing if you get the the blizzard that comes in during rush hour or things like that but that's not what happened yesterday the snow started yesterday afternoon and they, they got a good head start on it now it was a little bit dicey i think for some people getting home last evening but the plows were out all you know all night and so by this morning Again, in the, the metropolitan area, I don't speak to what's going on in some of the rural areas. I mean, I think the roads were definitely passable. And to your point, and I agree completely, it, it wasn't cold this morning. I mean, it was 20-some degrees. But, I mean, it wasn't like you're dealing with that 20-degree below wind chill factor where you you, know, you can't be out for any extended period of time. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, uh, let's see, we've got Shane in Kenosha. Shane, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
3: Good afternoon. How are you?
0: I'm well, thank you. Should they have canceled school all over?
3: Uh, it's a tough call. Um, I think, in some sense, I'm an administrator of a school in Kenosha. And you also have to take into account a couple different factors. Some people look at it strictly from a driving my car perspective. Right. But you got to understand a lot of kids in the schools that go to the city schools walk to school. So there's also a little bit of an extra inconvenience for that, especially for students who have to walk on sidewalks that are mm-hmm. not necessarily shoveled that early in the morning. So even though the roads may be clear, still passages, you'll find it very common for kids to be walking to school on the city streets. Mm-hmm. And if any child would ever get hurt going to and from school under these conditions, there'd be a lot of issues. The second thing you have to consider.
0: Well, let me just stop you there, though. For, for the kids who, they, might, they canceled school because you, you don't want them walking on the sidewalks, what percentage of those kids are probably out playing in the snow two hours later?
3: Uh, playing in a stone and walking to school is two different things. For for example, we typically give bus routes for students who are over two miles, so that means right. the majority of your kids are under two miles who are still walking to school. And we all walk and we drive to school and it's not a big problem, but when you're walking to school and there's an issue, especially at 7 o'clock in the morning or 7.30 when it's still fairly dark outside, I think that is a safety concern. The reason I say that is because if a child would ever get hurt going to or from school on a day like today, The school district would take a lot of heat for that. I think the second point that I wanted to make is that sometimes it's a matter of timing. If it's a regular week and you have nothing going on, fine. You can pull the plug on that and cancel school. However, if you have, like, for example, finals weeks this week, those are terribly hard to reschedule, and that affects a lot of of families because students are taking finals this week or other major sporting events or Olympic events or those type of things that are in the state.
0: Okay, so bottom line, did Milwaukee screw up by by having school in session today?
3: If I was the superintendent of Milwaukee, I would have canceled school. Okay. I mean, I look at it simply as snow days are for snow, it's a snowy day. And if we had to make up the time, I think you could justify
0: that. Okay, thanks for the call. I guess I just, to me... I, I guess it is Wisconsin. I mean, I don't, I don't mean that to be a cliche. To me, I, I think you look at all those factors you're talking about. I also include what, how cold is it? What's the wind chill? Um, what is the timing of this? Now, if this snow had hit, I don't know, Maybe it, maybe it's – at know. four o'clock in the morning <clears throat> and you're getting this heavy snow and the roads haven't been treated and the roads aren't passable and you can't get the buses out and about I, I think okay maybe then you say all right look there, there's a safety factor here I'm just saying the plows were pretty much out all night and at least in the areas where I drove, the roads were, were in pretty good shape. Now the side roads, maybe that's a different story. And like I say, I mean, I understand coming through the intersections, you gotta take that into account. Um, this is one time, and you can mark the tape, I, I I'm not gonna criticize MPS at all, and some of the other surrounding communities, at least close into the city, I, I'm, I'm really questioning why they decided that they were going to close. I think they jumped the gun in a big way because we got a handle on the snow, which isn't to say that if you're out driving about, you shouldn't be careful. And hopefully they're going to continue with their plowing efforts and trying to clean up the streets because once this cold snap comes in, starting what tonight, and by the weekend it's supposed to be, what, around zero or something, if you don't get the roads cleaned up, well, it's going to be a mess that's going to be with us for quite a while. 1227, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1235 Jeff Wagner WTMJ Over 30 days for the government shutdown And if you're a regular listener to this program You, you know that my reaction to this whole thing Is a pox on everybody's house I, I just it, it, it is It's ridiculous that you have the government even in a partial shutdown for this length of time, it, it's just and to me, the, the bottom line is I, I understand Democrats aren't giving in to President Trump because they, they think they're winning when they look at the polls. And, and maybe they are. President Trump brings a lot of this stuff on himself at the same time for a significant chunk of the American public. A building, a wall or a fence or a steel restraining thing or whatever, a barrier, whatever you want to call it, that that's an important element of natural national security. Uh, The president wants five point five B as in billion dollars. You could settle this by saying, "Okay, we're going to give you two billion. And in a budget of four point four trillion, that is a drop in the bucket. Many of the Democrats actually voted for physical barriers in the past, but now because we've got this resistance and we can't agree to give Trump anything, they've got to vote no. So, I mean, I it is it is this childish sort of thing that's out there, and I understand some of you don't like to hear this, but at this point in time, I mean, if, if you wanted the Democrats to be grown-ups, it's really easy. Nancy Pelosi says, okay, we'll give you $2 billion, you know, help it partially construct the wall, because they're going to build this one way or the other anyways, and then, you know, you go on with it. But they can't do that. Because they don't want to give President Trump anything at all looking like a a victory where this is something that you should easily make a deal. The thing that I think about this that's been absolutely immoral, and I know that word gets thrown around a lot, but to me it is immoral that you are expecting government workers to work without being paid. It's one thing if you furlough somebody, if you lay somebody off temporarily. Okay, that that's one it's one thing not to pay them because they're not working. It is a wholly different thing though when you tell people you have to come in and you have to work, but oh by the way, we're not going to pay you in a timely fashion and and you, you know, just figure out how to deal with it. Well, because there is a relatively small number of federal workers who are affected. And there are a couple hundred thousand, but I'm talking about in the universe of of all the people in the United States. There, there hasn't really been that much outrage because people only get concerned when stuff starts to happen to them. Now, I understand, and I've talked to several of you who are in the private sector, who have been screwed over by this, this shutdown because you've got, I don't know, applications pending with the federal government that aren't for whatever thing that it is, but that isn't getting processed because there's nobody there to process it. I I understand that. But still, you're in a relatively small number of people as well. And I guess the bottom line is I don't think that this is going to end until it starts hurting the general public, until people just get outraged because, hey, I'm not – I'm not able to get this or that or the other. And when it starts becoming more and more people, I think ultimately you get enough pressure on not the hardcore people on either side, but but the centrists. Centrist Democrats, and there are some, centrist Republicans, and there are some, to get this thing done because it makes everyone look bad. One of the things that could give is air travel. So far, you have about 90% of the TSA workers on any given day show up. Uh, about 10% call in in sick, and so far they've been able to keep air travel moving. But if you have people that are now going to be subjected to three- or four-hour waits or not be able to board planes, for example, because all the TSA workers decide they're not going to show up, well, if that happens, you know, for, I mean, once or twice or whatever, I, I guarantee you there's going to be pressure to get some movement. One of the other things that is developing involves the IRS. Now, in past government shutdowns, and stick with me on this one, in past government shutdowns, the people at the IRS who process the tax returns have always been deemed non-essential employees. If you work in the area of, like, processing the tax return, that's not a high-level government position. And I'm not saying it's not important. But it's not a high-level government position. I think the salaries of those people. I was looking at something today. Uh, generally speaking, depending on where you are, if you if you work in the processing tax returns area, you make between like twenty-six thousand and fifty-one thousand a year, depending on seniority. So I mean, it's not a high-level classified sort of judgment uh, government position. So. In past shutdowns, those people have been deemed non-essential, and they haven't been, you know, they've been laid off. Well, we're beginning tax season now. People are starting to get their W-2 forms. People are starting to do their tax returns, and they're starting to send them in. And typically, tax returns start going out sometime in the next week or so. So originally, tax returns weren't going to be processed at all. Well, I think the government recognizing that this would have been a debacle, said, all right, well, we're going to change our thinking. We've decided that the people who process the tax returns, they they are, in fact, essential. So we're going to require them to come in and work. But, again, we're not going to pay them. So they've brought back about, well, I think around 150,000 m." employees or so who are, are going to work to process these various paychecks. Maybe not quite that many. But here's, here's the deal. The IRS, under the, the union contract that they have, IRS employees in this category might be able to choose not to come to work despite getting called back. And you might say, well, Jeff, how, how could that be? Well, there's a provision in their union contract that allows an IRS employee in the category that the people who process these tax returns are to miss work if they suffer a hardship during a shutdown. All right. So what, what does a hardship mean? Well, the union leaders are saying, well, it could mean a blown car tire an empty gas tank, a child care bill. You could say, hey, look, I have a hardship coming to work if I'm not going to be paid. And the estimates are that lots of these IRS employees are going to, especially once they start finding out that there's this opt-out clause, essentially, they're going to start saying, hey, I, I have I have a hardship. I've got childcare. I mean, you tell me you want me to come into work. Well, alright, who's going to pay the daycare bill? I mean, I don't have the dough to do that. I got to stay home with my kids or other sorts of examples. And the concern is now that more and more employees are going to start saying, Hey, we've got a hardship. It's a financial hardship. And so you, you can't require us to work. So we're not coming in. All right, our number, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's what I want to discuss. How big a deal will this be if tax refunds are not processed in a timely fashion and are delayed? I mean, I look, I I know there's a lot of you out there that – depend on the tax refunds. That's kind of the idea. It's like, hey, this is this is sort of my forced savings account. I know I'm paying too much money during the year, but you know what? I'm, I'm going to get a tax refund, and that's what I'm going to use for the down payment of my car, or that's what I'm going to use for these expenses, or that's what I'm going to use to pay off my credit card bill, or that's what I'm going to use to help finance the new roof project, or whatever. Well, if you are going to find yourself waiting a week, two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks to get your tax return processed, your refund. I mean, is this going to be a big deal? How important are refunds? Or is this going to be, well, you know, we we really don't care. It doesn't matter if I get it the first week in February or I get it in May. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If refunds are slowed or delayed will this be something that is a big deal to you 414-799-1620 we discuss in just a minute if you're on the line please hold on 1244 Jeff Wagner WTMJ it's 1246 Jeff Wagner WTMJ so very glad to have you with us all right, here's the deal. The, the federal government can require people to come into work, and they've been doing that, say, in the cases of uh, TSA people and things like that. However, for the IRS employees, and the federal government has just recalled thousands of IRS employees to process tax returns these people have never been essential employees before but i think everybody realizes hey it's going to be a debacle if people don't get their tax returns in a timely fashion so they're recalling all these relatively low-level federal employees deeming them essential and saying you have to work and by the way we're not going to pay you um when we owe you once this is all settled you know we'll give you your money but you're not going to get timely payment the there is a provision in their union contract which says that you can avoid working during a shutdown if it causes you a hardship. And while the IRS isn't talking about the numbers so far, at least early results in a couple of the stories I'm looking at say that somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 30% of employees at different IRS places are saying we're not working because it would cause us a a hardship. We don't, for example, we don't have the money to pay for childcare. So, you're gonna expect us to come into work. You're not going to pay us when, you know, we're owed the money. And we have to figure out a way to pay for, like, childcare. Well, we can't do that. That causes a hardship. And this is starting to spread. The immediate impact of this is going to be tax refunds are in all likelihood going to be delayed. Now, maybe yours won't be. But if more and more employees don't go into work using this hardship exemption, it's not going to get processed. And I guess the question to me is how big a deal is that going to be? I think candidly that this has the potential to be a game changer because right now the federal shutdown isn't affecting that many people outside of the federal employees who are either laid off or are being required to work without pay. I understand it affects some people, but not that many. Well, once people start missing out on tax refunds, I think that that's a big deal. If TSA ends up not having half of their workforce in place. So you can't get through airports or airports have to shut down or the lines to get on a plane are five hours long. Well, yeah, then I think that maybe the government leaders, Democrats and Republicans are going to wake up and say, we've got to knock this silliness off. But, but how big a deal is the tax refund thing? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Um, that's the Academic mortgage talk and text line. First texter, Debbie says it won't matter. Um, Another texter says tax refunds are really important to the seventy-three percent of people living week to week. I am one of them. Um, yeah. Another text here, Jeff. If you are dumb enough to overpay the government and don't have the discipline to save your money, you don't deserve a refund. As soon, a fool and his money are soon parted. Okay. Well, let me let me take a break here. I understand that. For for example. I understand that if you're getting a tax refund, that means you've essentially you have overpaid during the year and you have given the government an interest free loan. I I understand that. Get it. But still, that's precisely what a lot of people do. They use their taxes, the overpayment during the year as essentially a forced savings account, knowing that they're going to end up getting money back. And if there is a delay in getting that money back, I guarantee you the average person is not going to put up with that, which is one of the reasons why the Trump administration decided to call back all these IRS employees, because they knew if these tax returns did not get processed, it would end up aggravating everybody. Well, all right, maybe that's maybe that's the case. And as somebody who believes that this thing should have been settled a long time ago and is very, very upset that we don't have grown-ups in the room, period, I continue to believe that there's going to have to, unfortunately – be something that moves people, you know, off the schneid. And and maybe that is four-hour delays at airports. And I've got two trips planned in the next four weeks, and so I, I'm, I'm hoping that's not the case. Maybe it's a delay in processing refunds so, you know, people start to feel the, the pain a little bit and they get mad enough to email their congresspeople and say, come on, act like grown-ups. Get this whole thing going. But the bottom line of all this is, you know, th- this has to end and it has to end and sometime soon, like about yesterday, and a shame, I just think shame on everybody that you can't get this taken care of. And once it starts hurting everyone, and that includes everybody who's hoping for a timely tax refund, maybe, just maybe, that's going to be the thing that gives the impetus to get this thing over. Now, I have texts saying, it doesn't matter. You know, who, who cares? Trump should stay the course. Well, okay, Trump should stay the course, then Nancy Pelosi should settle or whatever, but this thing has to get done, and people need to get paid. 1252, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 108, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So Eric, current events quiz. Do you, remember, you know, remember who David Hogg is? Yes, the uh, Parkland students. Right, very good. Mm-hmm. Very good. Check out the big brain on Eric. Yes, right. David David Hogg was the the young man who was you know one of the students at, at Parkland, uh, Marjorie Stoneman, right? The, the school, and he has become he became sort of the face of the the, the gun control movement mm-hmm. that, yep. that started in light of that. And he made the rounds of talk shows. He continues to be you know a, a factor, and it's been interesting because. There's a number of commentators who've gotten in a lot of trouble for, for criticizing him. The argument has always been, hey, he's a student. He went through – he's a kid. He went through this traumatic thing. How dare you question his motives? How dare you question his insight, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I – I, a matter of fact, we've never even talked about it because I, I guess I do think he's kind of a kid. I mean, he's he's a kid. He's went through a traumatic thing. He's entitled to his opinion. Is it legitimate to criticize his opinion? Maybe, but but again, he's he's a teenager who went through a traumatic thing, and I've always kind of given him him just a pass and let let's talk about the issues. Uh, interestingly enough, that same. That same attitude is not being extended to this Nicholas Sandman. You know Nicholas Sandman, of He's course. the one from Covington, the he's, high school. Or, he's the yeah. one from Covington. Well, this morning, he appeared on the Today Show, and he was interviewed by Savannah Guthrie. I'm not going to play the interview, but but essentially, he explained his side of, of the story. And, you know, what, what he says happened and now you got to keep in mind if we back up on this story uh, originally this was a bunch of these redneck kids wearing make america great hats in washington dc first they start screaming at uh, a couple african americans and then they they get insulting towards these native american you know elders that that are there and they disrespect the vietnam veteran etc etc and then of course that's the image that went viral and he was the one that was supposedly sneering at the, you know, uh, Native American protester and there were people calling for them him to be expelled. They had to have school canceled because there were death threats that were out against them. You had these various celebrities who were all jumping in talking about how awful these kids are and the, the real story is more complicated than that because it turns out these these kids were in Washington, D.C. as part of um, – they were there for the March for Life. And, and yes, they had – several of them had purchased Make America Great hats, but it's a free country. You're allowed to do that. While they're waiting for a bus by the Lincoln Memorial – if you've ever been to the Lincoln Memorial, you know how the, there's a turnaround there and it's really crowded and stuff, so they're waiting. There is this this group – um, that has, I mean, the the group. It's like the Black Hebrew Israelites, and and the Southern Poverty Law Center classifies them as a hate group. So, I mean, this this isn't just me saying it's a hate group, but they're classified as a hate group for the the things they say and their their expressions of beliefs towards uh, Jewish people and towards white people. And so they're screaming at these kids who are waiting for the bus, and they're screaming racial slurs at the kids and they're screaming homophobic things at the kids i mean they're just yelling at them the kids are waiting for the bus so they ask permission from the chaperones to do some of their school chants and so they're chanting back at these people who are screaming these incredibly racist things at them so then you get this other protest group the, these native americans and the, this this one guy who's gotten all the attention uh, nathan phillips banging a drum decides to walk into the middle of these kids, you know, just just walk into the middle of these kids, banging the, the drum. And that's the point where, you know, you, you capture this quote-unquote confrontation because the, the young man, Nicholas Sandman, he – he doesn't say anything to the guy, but he, he doesn't back away. He says, I don't know why this guy's coming up to me. I'm, I'm standing there, and that's, you know, he says, "I my facial expression was my facial expression. Some people are saying I'm smirking at him, but I, I'm just standing there. I'm like, why is this guy coming up to me, et cetera, et cetera. Now, some of the other kids in the group when they're being confronted by the native american protesters a couple of them make like tomahawk shops or something like that but they're they're high school kids who are now being you know confronted after being screamed at by this one group of protesters they're being confronted by the second group of of protesters and of course you know, the, the story then magnifies the American Indian, this native, this Nathan Phillips. He tells a story he Says they were screaming, you know, build a wall and things like that. And and of course, the the video doesn't support any of, of that. So his story appears greatly exaggerated. And I guess the, the bottom line is, I, I don't, the, these kids certainly aren't the villains in this. They're, they're not. Are they the heroes? I, I don't know. I, I think this is just one of these things that just shows how tribal we are, no pun intended, how tribal we are in America and how everybody views things through their, their own prisms. Are they heroes? No. But but are they villains? I, I don't think that's the case either. And, and they're kids. So the the young man who's in the center of this – gives an interview on the Today Show with, with Savannah Guthrie. And and one of the things, you know, they're asking him about is, all right, well, why why didn't you get out of the way when the Native American banging the drum came at you? And he says... As far as standing there, I had every right to do so. My position is that I was not disrespectful to Mr. Phillips. I respect him. I'd like to talk to him. But I can't say that I'm sorry for listening to him and standing there. Um, and Because they asked, you know, do you owe anybody an apology? And he says, no, I'm, I'm not going to apologize. And he tells his story on Today. All right. The Twitterverse has gone nuts. And the, the hostility, yes, it, it's directed at the kid. And it's also being directed at, at Savannah Guthrie for her appalling interview, giving the teen a platform, and conducting a softball interview. Um, let me just read you a couple of things that were posted. Uh, Savannah, I think this is your Jimmy Fallon ruffles Donald Trump's hair moment. I can't ever feel the same about you. I don't want to support you or your show anymore. This is not journalism. It's normalization of something that should not be. In other words, not criticizing and challenging the kids. Um, dot, 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 and it goes on and on and on. But the crowd breaks you know, very, very bad on Savannah Guthrie for letting this kid tell his story. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Now you have to understand, you, you could never, and again, David Hogg, if, if you had anybody that was the least bit confrontational to him, they are roundly shouted down. And, and that's, that, that's okay. He's a teenager. But here you have these people that are just essentially ready to hang this other young man in the public square. Our number 414-799-1620. That's the AccuNet mortgage talk and text line. I don't see the Covington high school kids necessarily as, as heroes. I, I don't see them as villains though. And I think the way this story has been handled in general, I think is extremely disappointing. Uh, you know what, where is the where is the angst for the the hate group that's screaming obscenities at them? Why is this man, this American Indian protester, who by the way later went on to disrupt a church service? You know why is he walking into the middle? Of, why is he walking into the middle of this group of of kids? You know should the kids have made the tomahawk chop? chop? No, they shouldn't have. But at the same time, all right, there are a bunch of kids that are now in the middle of this cultural war. And candidly, I think it's the adults, whether it's the racist hate group that's screaming at them or these other protesters that decide that they're going to get in the middle of this. I, I think that they are equally to blame, if not more so. And for calls to, well, you you shouldn't give this kid an opportunity to tell his side of the story. Nuts to that. 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 117, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 19, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. If you follow me at Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner620. I, I sent out a, a tweet and I have a link to the whole interview. It's about four and a half minutes. I, I'm not going to play it on the air. But. Uh, Savannah Guthrie today she's talking to this young man who was at the center of all this and he says you know he's like I, I don't I don't feel I have a need to apologize I didn't say anything to this man who came up and confronted me I didn't do anything I'm the one that's getting yelled at by this our group is getting yelled at by all these black racists that are screaming things a, a group that by the way is considered officially the recognized as being a hate group so the kids are getting it for that he says I, I see this guy beating this drum that that comes up and kind of Kind of gets in my face. Did I move out of the way? No, but I, I didn't do anything. He he came up at at me. I didn't say anything. People are saying I was smirking. He said I don't know. That's just i just the expression I had. I'm I'm looking at him. And again, I, I understand when this confrontation comes out. Some of the kids in the group start making the tomahawk chop, which I guess you could argue is is disrespectful or whatever. But in the scheme of things. To, to try to portray these kids as villains, I think, is extremely wrong. And to try to argue that this young man, well, you know, that the Today Show was wrong, to bring him on the air and allow him to tell his story, oh, and this is terrible, you're normalizing hate, give me a break. 414-799-1620, Joe in Milwaukee. Joe, you're on WTMJ, hello. Hey, how are you doing, Jeff? Real well, thank you, sir.
4: So I guess, you know, the first thing I have to say is that once again, we had the media totally blown something out of proportion uh, and only taking like you said before a small clip of something and putting some spin on it causing a national reaction right right and, and not only from you know from a social media standpoint then like you said before, we have celebrities chiming in we really have i at least I haven't heard anybody apologize for that nor when it's happened in the past, have I ever really heard too many people in the media apologize, nor celebrities or anybody else who commented on it
0: yeah let me let me I'll let you finish your point, but yeah, it's interesting you say that because after the initial round of coverage, you had some of the usual suspects, like the New York Times and the washington post who who wrote. Uh, about this extensively, then their follow-up story was, well, new video show, maybe story is a little bit more complicated, which is a code way of saying we got it completely and totally wrong when we went with this in the first place.
4: Right, exactly. And the second side of this, too, is that, you know, for the past couple years, we've seen, you know, when we have all this protesting going on, the left usually typically rallies around whenever they are engaging uh, the right or Trump supporters, yeah. uh, they support them. But every time it's it's roles reversed, it's it's oh my god, you know the world's ending. This is absolute chaos. We we can't accept this. It's horrible. Uh, and mm-hmm. and for me again, it's just it's you know,
0: well no, it's a double stand. No, right. it it's the double standard. I mean I th- thanks. For, I mean I, again, I, I always switch this around. All right, let's say you had a group of high school kids. In Washington D.C. waiting for a bus to they were attending some rally on gun control all right and then you had on the one hand you had some right wing hate groups some neo-nazis that were there screaming things at them all right and then you had a- another group of right wing protesters banging drums who decided to walk into the middle of that group All right. Do you think there is any way in the world if somebody, one of these teenage you know, gun control advocates or something, was seen staring at the person that walked into the group, do you think that they would for one minute end up being a villain? Well, of course not. This played completely and totally into the media's narrative on this. And the facts didn't matter. And look, I I don't see these kids as as heroes. I see these kids as a, a bunch of kids who are just waiting for a school bus who ended up getting in the middle of all this stuff. But I don't see them as villains either. And I certainly don't think that there's anything wrong with a major network, a network which, by the way, ran with some of the inflammatory stuff that turned out to be wrong in the beginning, giving the kid that's at the center of this a chance to come in and say, yeah, well, th- this is my version of it. And I didn't mean to disrespect the guy. And I guess people look at a snapshot on my face and describe it as a sneer. I'm like, what is this guy doing coming up and getting in my face in the first place? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty let's talk to dennis in west Dallas. dennis you're on wtmj hello
1: thanks for taking my call sure Jeff. you know the, the kid said a couple of times and he smiled at him he smiled at him yeah and it, it reminds me of, of the first line of a song by Claude Stills, and Nash out of wooden ships and it says if you smile at me i will understand because that is something everybody everywhere does in the same language yep <laughs> Yeah, right, right,
0: right, Right. Right. but no, it's a smirk, it's a, it's a, it's a, a, right, it's a smirk, yeah, that's how they play it, right.
1: Exactly, because that fits, you know, like you said, their template, not the smile.
0: Right. Right, right, it's not a smile, it, it's a, it's a smirk, you know? And of course, you know, lost in this whole thing, there was one, there's one congresswoman, one of these newly elected congresswomen, her first tweet is, that it says, the, the group, the kids, were also screaming racist things at the, the black protesters, which nobody thinks happened. Everybody understands that this, this black Hebrew Israel, or Israelites or whatever, they are, they're a hate group. That's what they do. They go around and they scream things, and, and yet, you know, somehow, these kids are the villains it's just it's mind. it's so frustrating to me if this goes on exactly. Exactly. now now thanks to call i mean and again and the idea and this is what i think is so interesting and about this aspect of the story the idea that the today show in this particular case could have the audacity to put this young man on and then not not grill him uh, about all this. Well, uh, that's just this terrible You're, you're normalizing stuff. Well, uh, all right. I, I don't know what the kids did that needs to be normalized. Uh, here's a text. Jeff, I watched the interview. I thought Savannah did a very good job. She asked pointed questions. The young man took responsibility. It was a peaceful assembly of his fellow Catholic students that was interrupted by bigoted, angry adults from two different groups. Yes. That's precisely what happened. And again, we ask this question a lot, but reverse the situation a group of students that are there not wearing Make America Great hats and not there to participate in the March for Life, but a group of kids wearing, I don't know, hats that say blank Trump, you know, and and they're there to promote some liberal cause. And you have two right-wing groups that are either screaming at them or banging drums and walking into the middle of them. I mean, my goodness gracious, you would have calls for the Justice Department to be investigating hate crimes and things like that. But because it's the other way around, we look the other way. 127, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 135, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Well, you wonder how often stuff like this happens that we don't hear about. Journal Sentinel reporting this. He followed her home to Cudahy from the casino, smashed her window, and wrested away her purse with her winnings. Here's the story. While driving home from the Pottawatomie Casino in Milwaukee, January 8th, With winnings in her purse, a 71-year-old Cudahy woman says she was suddenly cut off in the 3300 block of East Botsford Avenue. A man emerged, walked up to the driver's side window, and smashed it with a tire iron. Give me your purse or I'll kill you, he said, according to the police report. The woman said the man hit her during a struggle for the purse, and when he finally pulled it free, got back into his car and drove away. Wayne S. Dykas, D-Y-K-A-S, 34 of West Allis, has been charged in this case with one count of armed robbery. He was caught by the Wauwatosa police while they were investigating another robbery and allegedly had some of the Cudahy woman's property. The woman said she went to Pottawatomie Casino on the afternoon of January 7th and left around 4 a.m. on January 8th. So she pulled an all-nighter. She said a dark-colored car was following her after she left a parking structure at the casino. And it th- was this car that cut her off. Her purse contained $1,500 in cash, multiple credit cards, a cell phone, and more, according to the police. Cudahy police received a call from Wauwatosa the next day about a robbery they were investigating that happened on New Year's Eve. Police in Wawatosa took two people into custody and one, this would be Dykus, had the woman's credit card on him. So the guy strong-arm robs this woman, keeps her credit card. Okay, well, additionally, the car Dykus was driving was missing a tire iron. It had been left on the scene in Cudahy, according to the report. So he's not the brightest bulb when it comes to crime, but it's a serious matter. He eventually admitted to police, according to the story, that while he was at Pottawatomie with a woman... They saw the Cudahy woman win a lot of money. He said he told the woman he was with to stay there. He would follow her and rob her. Mm. Following the woman into Cudahy, huh, Dykus confirmed her story, saying he pulled in front of her like police do, broke the window, took her purse. He said after he stole the purse, he went back to the casino to pick up the woman who was waiting. He said he threw away the purse, spent the money on drugs, cigarettes, and lighters. Apparently, he kept the credit card. He said he felt guilty and remorseful for robbing the woman. Well, isn't that special? And. Ah, you wonder in John Chisholm's Milwaukee, with Milwaukee County Circuit Judges and this new idea that we're trying to avoid mass incarceration you'll wonder whether the guy will go to prison for five years at least like he should. I guess that's up in the air but this is you just you kind of wonder how often this this type of stuff happens i've always I've always felt extremely. Safe at the Potawatomi Casino. I, I I just have. They've got security guards. They've got cameras. But you know, in this particular case, here's somebody that watched somebody win and then staked them out and then followed them back. You know, into their neighborhood. And I guess it, it's just maybe the cautionary tale is there's sleazebags and creeps all over, and you need to be extremely mindful of your circumstances. And hopefully, you won't have to worry about this character for a while because, again, hopefully, he'll be a guest of the state of Wisconsin and less Tony Evers and John. want to set him free all right right now it is a rite of passage Gru, do you who's producing the show today and always do you even remember one of the things that you had to do when you turned 18 you do and what was that you registered for the draft you remember what you do go down to your like post office and stuff and do that it was mailed to you and you filled out the form and so you registered for the draft that's all right so my, my producer is not uh, not a draft evader. Matter of fact, I remember this too. When I was and I'm dating myself a little bit, but they had they had. I remember. I mean, I, I kind of came out of age when there was a draft. Now they had actually stopped drafting people a couple years beforehand. But I mean, I remember when they were drafting people for the Vietnam War, and I remember older brothers of friends of mine, you know, they, they would go to these, these – they'd have, like, these draft lottery parties because what would happen is that you'd have this party and you they'd – you know, depending on where your birthday was, you know, if you were of draft age, that was the order at which people ended up getting, getting drafted. So, I mean, I, I can at least remember that. But the law is that when – if you are male, when you turn 18, you are required to register for the draft – Now, now let's let's back up for a second here and be clear. The military presently is committed to an all-volunteer force, and it doesn't have plans to implement a draft. So there's no plans to draft it. But if there would ever be a national sort of emergency or a crisis, and there would be a need to implement the draft, and they have no plans to do that, but if there were, in people at the age of 18, males, are supposed to register, so they've at least got this pool of people so they know where to start. One of the interesting things, of course, is that it is only men that are required to register for the draft. So there's this commission that, that Congress commissioned a couple years back, and they're studying this whole thing. And apparently they're they're kind of reaching the end game on this. But one of the things that they are considering is if you are going to continue to have people register for a draft, and that's one of the things on the table is, all right, do do we just not do this? You know, is there still really a need to make people register for the draft? But assuming for the sake of argument that we are going to continue to have people register, The question is, it is 2019, you have women in the military, including some in combat roles. So the question becomes, should you, if we're going to have a draft and we're going to require men to register for the draft, should we now also require women, when they turn 18, to register for the draft? Now, in other countries... Um there there is compulsory military service and it applies both to men and to women. So let's tee this up. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text line. This is apparently that the hot button issue that this commission is confronting nowadays. I mean apparently everybody ha- has an opinion. Um should men and women If we're in a society where we have, you know, equal rights, should women have to register for the draft as well as men? 414-799-1620. That's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I will tell you where I come down on this, and we will discuss in just a moment. But what do you think? Should women have – if guys are got to do it, should the gals have to do it as well? 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 142. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. One forty-four, Jeff Wagner, W T M J. All right, there's this commission that's trying to decide what to do with the, the draft. And right now, every every male in America, when you turn eighteen, they are required to register for the draft. I guess they get conscientious objectors, but you, at eighteen, as a general rule, if you're a male, you're required to register for the draft. The question is, should we require women? to register for the draft as well. 414-799-1620, that is the acunate mortgage talk and text line. Let's see, first text that comes in says, absolutely not, my baby girl is not going to be forced to serve in combat. All right, second text, absolutely, women should have to register for the draft. Why aren't the feminist groups complaining about this? Third text, absolutely. They, that would be women, I guess, want everything to be equal and are fighting for equal rights with their various marches. Of course they should have to register. That's from Stephanie. alright seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text line. And I guess you could even modify this. Even... Even if you would say, okay, well, we're not going to be drafting women necessarily to serve in frontline combat positions, the question becomes, if you did have to reinstate a draft, should you be drafting women as well as men? And maybe you put the women in a support role or something like that. Should women be included in the draft? Jason in Oconomowoc. Jason, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
5: Good afternoon. How are you?
0: I'm well, thank you. What do you think?
5: Uh, I think, yes, they should. I mean, have you heard of the Me Too movement? I have. Yeah. Um, I mean, like you said, I have them draft, and then they can decide at the time of the draft what, what kind of roles they're going to fill. But I think uh, men and women equally should both have to register then.
0: Well, right, and, and then you decide it. Now, thanks for the call, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talking and Text Line. My The callers that hung on the phone, we had all sorts of people that dropped off right before we came back, uh, are, are predominantly male. I am curious about the female perspective on this a, as well. Uh, do you... Again, there's no plans to reinstitute the draft, and I don't want to overstate this, but at the same time, you know, if if we're going if we're going to require men to register, so they're in that pool in the case that there was ever an emergency and we would have to reinstate the draft, should we also have women in that? And like I say, other countries that do have compulsory, you know, public service, well, they, you know, they they take men as well as women. Um, is it Tay Lee in Wauwatosa? Yes. Hi. What do you think?
4: Well, I'm a former Army officer who served during Vietnam, and I swore my own daughter in the Army 10 years ago. So obviously, I feel women should be allowed to register with the draft. I'm an equal rights person, so if you want equal rights, that means equal responsibility.
0: Mm-hmm. Now you said allowed. What about required? Now, obviously, yes. you, know, you know, so you think required? You think it, if if yes, men required. have to do it, women have to do it, or should have to do, do it?
4: Be required, yes, they should be required. And what I have a do? A grandson you, and a granddaughter. So,
0: mm-hmm. based and and you know, you have a unique perspective on this, having you know served yourself in in Vietnam. What do you? Do, do you think? Do you think women should be drafted for combat roles or support roles?
4: I think women should be drafted for any role that they okay. want to serve in the military. Anything they're able to do. As I always say, if you can shoot expert, I don't care if you want to jump in the foxhole next to me. If you're black, white, gay, straight, male, female, mm-hmm. I'm going to go home alive. Right. So that, right, right, right. My...
0: Got it. Okay, thanks for the perspective. I, I appreciate it. And I, I value that. I mean, that, that's that's where I come down on this, too. I, I think, especially since... We now have opportunities for women to serve in the military. I think it makes no sense, if you're going to require men to do it, it makes no sense to not also require women to register for the draft. Now, I'm this guy that argues that that boys and girls, men and women, are are different. So I I think that, and I don't envision, we're all talking about theoretical stuff now, because you haven't had a draft since the, what, the early 1970s. I I think, as a practical matter, if you had to go back, if if some emergency occurred and you had to do this, I'm not saying that necessarily you, you take you know, all men and all women and you treat them equally and you say, okay, we're going to send everybody off to the same, you know, basic training thing and we're going to train everybody to be infantry people. I mean, it it might be that you carve out different roles for some people than others. But I mean, I I wouldn't deny women who want to serve in combat necessarily the right to do it. But for the whole idea of building the lists, I mean, I guess I just don't think that this is a, a close one. If you're going to make men register for the draft you should make women register for the draft and and let me throw just another curveball out there i i think i understand that there might be some people who say well exactly what our first texter did there's no way that you know they're gonna make my baby girl serve in the military against her will well okay well, maybe if enough people feel like that, maybe maybe that will influence political choices on on some of the military confrontations that we get involved in. Just saying, if you apply this to everybody. But the bottom line is, if we're going to be talking about equal rights and we're going to be treating people equally, and we have already crossed that bridge where we would say allow, that's the wrong word, where we give women the same opportunities we give men, in the military well I think it makes no sense to not also require them to register for the draft so this commission's report is going to be coming out I don't know what they're going to end up doing and they actually you know they might actually go the other way they might say that given the fact that there is no present intention to reinstate the draft that it's kind of an exercise in futility And, and they might say we're not going to require anybody to register but one way or the other I think you need to treat men and women equally and if you're going to make men register you should make women register as well 151 jeff wagner wtmj it's 154 jeff wagner wtmj yeah, a couple people making the point that the idf which is israeli defense force they have they have mandatory subscri- conscription that is for both for both men and women at the age of 18 A national military service is mandatory for all Israeli citizens. Um, Men who are drafted used to be you serve three years. Since 2015, you serve two years and eight months. Although some people might serve an extra four months, women serve two years um although some women who actually serve in combat roles uh they they often serve 3 years because it takes longer longer training so i mean i mean israel has mandatory f- forget just you know uh, signing up for the draft israel you know has a draft it's mandatory conscription it applies to men it applies to women and uh again depending females Two years, sometimes up to three men, almost three years. But th- that's how they do it in Israel, because given, of course, it's a different situation there. And given the constant state of alert that unfortunately people who live in Israel have to live under and all the various threats, it's what they end up needing to do in a nation of about eight million people to make sure that their, their armed forces are are sufficient but they they you have men and women who serve in combat roles but everybody is subject to that conscription thing 207 jeff wagner wtmj so melissa my wife goes on an annual trip to florida with some of her girlfriends Mm -hmm. and that uh, they happen to be leaving on Saturday. I was just l- listening to that forecast, but yeah. oh, it's going to be like two below or eight below or just stupid cold. Just in time she's be. leaving. Just in time <laughs> she is leaving. I'm going to go down there and join her at the end of next week, but it doesn't help me for yeah. doesn't help me for those few days. I'll be here. I'll be dealing with. It. Okay, all right. Valentine's Day coming up in a couple weeks, Melissa Barclay. Mm-hmm. All right. When the when your sweetie does. All right. Is there a Valentine's Day candy that if your your Mm. sweetie was listening that you you would tend to like?
5: It's not just Valentine's Day candy. This is a candy (laughs) I like any time of year. Okay. I like turtles.
0: Turtles. Okay. Dark
5: chocolate turtles. They have to be dark. (laughs) All right. Okay. I love those.
0: Would you like to guess what the most popular candy for Valentine's Day is and has been Hmm. for the last several years?
5: Is it those boxes just of multiple different kinds of candies? Like you get the heart box, and then you open it up. It's like the Whitman sampler around Christmas. Nope, no. nope, nope,
0: nope, nope. It's sweethearts. Do you, you know sweethearts? Oh, yeah. Those those little tiny those little tiny you know candies. Those little boxes, right, and, right? That have like the things like the sayings on little tiny hearts yeah. that have like cutie pie and <laughs> love you and all that type of stuff on them. Yeah, right. That that type of stuff. It, that is that is. They estimate that sweethearts generates somewhere between uh, right around $1.8 billion in candy sales a year.
5: Well, you know, you remember getting those when you were a kid because you could write your name on the box and you could hand them to people. So maybe that's why they're so popular.
0: Well, right. The interesting thing is, though, you can't get sweethearts this year. Because the company that makes them went out of business. Oh, no. No, no. Well, here's, see, and this leads to the story that we're going to talk, we're going to lighten it up a little bit, because I know people are kind of like, oh, my gosh, it's been snowing for a while. All right. Sweethearts. Now, sweethearts, you might be able to say, like Eric Bilstead said, well, I just bought some of these the other day. Mm -hmm. Well, no, you didn't buy sweethearts. Sweethearts were made by the New England Confectionery Company. They call it, it's called Necco. And and Necco went out of business a year ago. And they, they've been bought by a couple different places and they're trying to revive the brand. But they, they weren't able to revive the new company wasn't able to revive the brand for this year. Because for example, um here here's the deal. Neko, when they were producing these sweethearts, I've got these numbers instead. Ha- did they
5: used to make those wafers? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah, right. those wafers. Right.
0: Okay. Well this the sweethearts, these little candies. Yeah. Just to give you an idea, I find this to be fascinating. Neko produced about what about a hundred thousand pounds. Of sweethearts, every day. Every day, they produced about eight billion. Conver- they call them conversation hearts. Mm-hmm. You know, ah, cutie pie, <laughs> um, conversation hearts each year. The full supply is sold within a six-week period right before Valentine's Day, and it took Necco eleven months to produce that many sweethearts. So, what they do? I mean, it's a year-round operation, and they make. They just crank out these things, 100,000 pounds of sweethearts every every day, and then they put them on the market and they all sell out you know, six weeks before Valentine's yeah. Day. Okay, so the story is Neko went belly up, and uh, Neko, uh, let's see, July 24th, 2018, the factory was shut down, um, and so there's, there, there's no sweethearts to be had. And so, people who expect to find sweethearts are going to be disappointed. Now, Eric Bilstadt said, "Well, I, I just bought some the other day, and he didn't buy sweethearts. He might think he did, might thinks thinks he might have, but sweethearts
5: are they done by Brock's or some? Well, other sweethearts,
0: the, these things, there's they have eighty percent of the the market. Apparently, there's a couple knockoff brands that have maybe the other twenty percent. Mm-hmm. There's somebody else that makes the, these mm-hmm. hearts. So, Eric Bilstadt." Unless he was buying, like, year-old sweethearts that are left over, um, he, he wasn't actually <laughs> buying sweethearts. He was buying, like, again, one of these knockoff brands. But this is starting – I mean, the reason I bring this up is this this story is kind of – I hate the phrase going viral. But it's going viral because there are all these people that this is a part of their life. And they're going, give me sweethearts, and you can't find sweethearts because they don't make them this year.
5: Well, unless you're, like – Eric Bellstadt and maybe a lot of other people that don't know that the sweethearts that you bought aren't really sweethearts.
0: Right. That they're, that you're buying, you're, like, buying, you're like, buying imitations yes. or whatever, or you're buying your old sweethearts right. that were left over from last year. <laughs> Let's hope that's uh, not the case. Right. And, and actually just like sort of like the, the tulip craze, um, you know, f- from the 1600s or whatever, the price of whatever's left is going through the roof. Right. I mean right. now because there, there's a supply and there's a demand sort of thing. Okay, so that's the background on sweethearts. So my producer is saying, okay, where are you going with this? All right. Oh, I, I, I this I just wanted to set the stage that if you're if you're looking for this particular type of candy, you ain't gonna find it th- this year. Now they they say that there's a new company that's purchased the rights to this, and they say they're going to bring them back, so they should be back in stores, hopefully by Valentine's Day 2020. But if you're looking in 2019 for the authentic sweethearts, you're you're not going to find it. That got me thinking, though, about all the different, you know, kinds of candy and such that that we grew up with. I can remember, as I remember, I'm old enough to remember penny candy, You know, I mean, I can remember, you know, going to these stores and, you know, you'd you'd have really you'd have the candy counters and you'd have all the different types of of candy that was out there. Now, I don't I don't eat candy anymore. If my wife and my doctor is listening, OK, I don't remember the last time I I had candy. I just I don't eat candy, maybe a little piece here or there or something like that. But as a general rule, I don't go out. I don't buy candy bars. I don't do the types of things anymore. But I can remember. I can remember when I did, and I thought in recognition of Valentine's Day coming up, in recognition of the sweethearts shortage of 2019, I want to talk candy with you for a minute. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. All right, your favorite candy growing up maybe you can still get it maybe you can't there's a lot of candies you know we've talked about for example candied raisins that they before i mean i know there's a lot of people that love those the company that originally made them stopped making them now they're they're made under different names but the candy you know you that your favorite candy growing up, whether you can still get it or not, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. Let's take a walk down memory lane. Back with your calls in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 214 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 217 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I, it just, it, this took me kind of back memory lane because you're just tuning in. The Sweethearts candy, which is the most popular Valentine's Day candy ever, the the original Sweethearts, the little little heart shaped things that say stuff on them. They're, you're not going to be able to find them this year because the company that made them went out of business, uh, Necco, which is like the New England confectionery company. There, there might And they made 80% of the sweethearts. You might be able to find some made by one of, like, the knockoff brands and stuff, but you're not going to find the original ones that are out there. And um, they say that they're going to try to bring them back for next Valentine's Day. We're talking about candies that you grew up with that you might miss. Uh, Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're on WTMJ.
3: Hey, Jeff, mine are are candy that my parents never bought. So when I was actually able to get a hold of them by other means, they were like really, really special. So they became my favorite. Okay. Had Cadbury cream eggs.
0: Really? Okay. That's, um, no, thanks. That was one. <laughs> that was one that for some reason I just, see, I'm not a big marshmallow guy and, and just a lot of those were marshmallow. I don't know that all of them were. So I never went down that route. Let's talk to Andrew in Waukesha. Hi, Andrew.
1: Hey, Jeff, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Good, afternoon. Good afternoon. For me, it's funny you mentioned the Necco candies. For me, it was the uh, Necco wafers, and especially if I could peel back that wax paper and find myself a black licorice one, <laughs> oh, that just made my day.
0: Yeah, you know, and they that was, I mean, they were made by the same company. Now, th- again, it was bought out, and now the people, I'm just checking this, the people that, you uh, the people that make dum dums now now owns Necco wafers. So I, I don't you can find them. They're still making those, aren't aren't they?
1: I don't know. I yeah. have to keep my eye my eye out for them, and if I can find them I'm gonna trade all the chocolate ones yeah. away and get my black licorice. Yeah,
0: yeah, there you go. Thanks for I think now don't quote me on this, but I think there's still um, I I think they're still making those. Now I could be wrong because again, it's the same company that went belly up. Um, the same company that went belly up is now, you know, been sold. I, I think you can still find Necco wafers. But I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Paul in Heartland. Paul, you're on WTMJ.
1: Hey, Jeff. Hi, Paul. Uh, when I was in grade school, they used to have a little taffy that was individually wrapped. Five in a pack, they were called kits, and they came in strawberry, chocolate, and banana. And I was addicted to banana. And I would always (laughs) wonder at the time, how can anybody make money selling you five of these little taffies? They were about an inch square. Right. they they individually wrapped five of them and put them in a package for a penny. That was the best deal ever.
0: Yeah, I think the answer is you probably couldn't make money doing that because I'm not sure they're around anymore. Uh, do you remember them? Yeah. Oh, sure, absolutely. Yeah, I wasn't. A yeah. Oh no, I, absolutely. I mean, I see. Thank See, this is what happens when you grow up with a mom who works in a dental office. I was, see, I was kind of deprived as a child, and maybe that, that explains a lot of stuff. I was, um, I, wasn't, I wasn't allowed to have stuff like taffy because it would pull out your fillings. I wasn't, I don't chew gum, in part because, see, when I was growing up, there really wasn't a lot of sugarless gum that was around, and the sugarless gum that was around it was kind of ick. Now now I understand everything's sugarless, but m- my mother who worked at a dentist's office would have been appalled at the idea that you would take a stick of gum with all that sugar and put it in your mouth and just chew it and swirl it around. So I was not allowed to chew gum. So I never got into that habit. So to this day, you know, people say you want to stick a gum or whatever. It's like, no, I just, I just, I never got into that habit. Linda in Milwaukee. Linda, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
2: Uh, hi, Jeff. Hi, Linda. I don't know if this is in the candy category, but it was for me. And this was uh, when I was in grade school, growing up in Chicago. These were wax bottles, and they were were made of wax, and they had um, a syrup inside. And then you had to bite the wax cap off the wax
0: bottle and had the juice. Yeah, that was my favorite. No, no, thank. Well, I I mean, here, here's the deal. They, um, they, they were. I know exactly what you're talking about when you say, you know, wax, you know, wax bottles. That's that's not officially what they were called, but I, I, I know about those. I'm not sure you can still get those. Let's talk to Marty in Genesee. Marty, you're on WTMJ
2: amazing that the caller before me had my favorite candy identified.
0: Okay, the wax it, bottles, right.
2: It was. It, well, they also made little guns, and then once you drank the juice, you could chew the wax. <laughs> uh, so you got two for one, but I got a funny story for you. Uh, I was a penny candy kid, and I was so frugal that all, me and my friends, we'd go to the penny candy store, and we'd, we'd order penny candy one cent under the tax rate. <laughs> so we didn't have to pay that extra penny tax, so we usually have two or three transactions. Right. We would drive the clerk crazy, <laughs> but we were frugal uh, German-Polish kids on the South Side.
0: Yeah, it, it's okay. Well, you know what they were officially called? Matter of fact, I was pulling up because I remember those. They were officially called nickel nips, like N I K L nips. Um, so you remember buying them at a, at, a, at a penny a piece, right?
2: Well, you could buy them at a penny a piece, or you could get a little, like, six pack right. of the bottles. But I know they also made guns. Right. And maybe a tool, uh, but they were household shapes. Right. That had this this flavoring in
0: it. Well, I mean here I mean th- thanks to call here's what inflation does. I was just looking this up while we were talking. And and what's happened is with a lot of the these old I'm saying old time candies uh, the, the, the original makers gone out of business and what's happened is other brands have come in and they've bought and they purchased the rights and maybe the recipes or whatever. So these are called nickel nips. Now he was talking, Marty was talking about, you, you you could buy the little bottle. And I remember these, they're like the little wax things and you'd like bite off the top and this, the stuff inside, he said, syrup, that's right. It's got to be like pure sugar. I mean, exactly. You, want, you know, um, my mom, was still with us and we're listening. She said, you didn't be doing that, did you? But all right. So he, he said he'd buy them for a penny a piece. You can find, I'm, I'm looking at one of these, like online, all right, a four-pack of wax bottles, these little tiny wax bottles, four-pack, $1.49. So Marty was buying, buying them for $0.04. Cents. Now it's $1.49, you know, um, or you can get an 18-pack for, 18 four-packs for twenty two ninety nine. I guess if you wanted to be... If you wanted to be frugal, but bottom line is this candy. It And I, whenever we talk about this, we always have people saying, oh, candy raisins, because you used to have, you know, the, the original people that made candy raisins, that kind of changed, But now there's new candy raisins that are out there. Bottom line is, you know, if it's something from your youth, a candy, chances are you could probably find it. Maybe it's not going to be quite the same. But at least this year, if you're looking for the original sweethearts, uh, you're not going to find it. 224 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 227. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Can you believe it? Baseball season right around the corner. It all starts this weekend at Brewers on Deck at the Wisconsin Center in downtown Milwaukee. WTMJ and ESPN Wisconsin will be broadcasting live this Sunday from the annual Fan Fest. Hear from your favorite players, your coaches, and, of course, Mr. Baseball Bob Euchre. The event, it is sold out. So if you don't have tickets, let us here at WTMJ be your home for brewers on deck. It is sponsored by Century Foods. Yeah, this is the first year that that event has sold out. Uh, I think... Doors open at eight thirty, and the, the this is because I am attending, and so doors open at eight thirty, I think, and then the ten o'clock is when the thing starts, uh, and that they open up the the room that you can actually get in. So I think it's going to be extremely crowded. You know, there there's a new book out involving President Trump, and and this is this is an interesting one. It's called A Team of Vipers, and it's by a guy named Cliff Sims. Who was, you know, another one of the people who, you know, worked in, in the White House. Uh, the, the reviews of this book, it's a little bit interesting because this is a guy, it's not one of these fawning President Trump can do you no know, wrong books, and it's also none of, not one of these, well, you know, President Trump is the devil sort of books. And apparently it's, it, it's got a number of interesting stories in it, and it presents a, I don't know if balanced or more nuanced view of President Trump than you, you get typically. Because like I say, nowadays the books that have been coming out about the Trump administration are either all one way or all the other, and is the the truth is probably pretty much in the middle. But um the Washington Post, which got an advanced copy of this, is, you know, talking about um, how how President Trump and Paul Ryan just were at loggerheads, which is no surprise, apparently. Because there were occasions, you will remember, after the president's after the president made a series of remarks and speeches concerning the handling of that white supremacist rally in Charlottesville back in 2017, where he didn't strike the right tone in his first comments, the second speech he did, I think he did, and then not willing to leave well enough alone, he kind of back ventured back into that and, and again, I think, you know, reopened a bunch of wounds. But Paul Ryan, you know, criticized, you know, Paul Ryan, like, criticized him on TV for this, as as other Republicans were. And apparently, according to the story, he, he called, Trump called up Paul Ryan and said, Paul, do you know why Democrats have been kicking your butt, although he didn't say butt for decades? Because they know a little world called loyalty. Why do you think Nancy has held on this long? Have you seen her? She's a disaster. Every time she opens her mouth, another Republican gets elected, but they stick with her. Why can't you be loyal to your president, Paul? At which point in time, I'm, I'm sure Paul Ryan, if that's really the accurate conversation, he's probably kind of going, well, thanks for calling, Mr. President. I've uh, I got to go wash my hair or something like that. But it sounds like it's an interesting book and details some of the interactions between Paul Ryan and Donald Trump. <laughs> 235, Jeff Weck for WTMJ. I'm moving on, but I'm being swamped by people like taking that walk down memory lane with the different, uh, different candies. My, my favorite one though, I accepted my husband's marriage proposal with a sweetheart that said yes. Isn't that cute? Isn't that cute? All right. The, I want to talk about the streetcar for a minute. And the, I I am a skeptic. I am a streetcar skeptic. I continue to believe. That five years from now it's going to turn out to be a huge white elephant. But, 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 credit where credit is due: the early ridership projections, first two months, have exceeded expectations. That's that is the reality of this, and that is even including you know that they had a big opening weekend that was kind of I think perhaps artificially inflated the numbers a little bit. But for the first you know sixty days of operations, their their numbers have exceeded. What their projections were. can you sustain it? You know that's going to become, of course, the, the question. But you know, credit where credit is due. One of the big caveats to this is that it's free. and so I, there is this novelty factor that's that's there. I mean, some of the reports are, for example, you have you know groups of people from you know a senior living center saying, "Hey, let, let's go down and let's ride the hop." So, you know, everybody jumps on the hop and because it's just it's something to do. I mean, I know people who've done exactly the same thing. Well, it's free. If we're downtown, let's walk over, let's jump on it, let's ride it around. It doesn't cost anything, so you kind of do it as an event. If you had to pay for it, it is of course maybe a different dynamic, but right now it is free to ride. It's being subsidized by a deal that the city made with Potawatomi Hotel and Casino, and a a federal grant, so they're able to run it for free. And the plan right now is it's going to be free for the first twelve months. After that, it's it's a little bit murky because after that, the idea was we're going to charge that they're going to charge a dollar per ride. But even that kind of comes with an asterisk because the plan was that they were going to, well, yes, they were going to charge, but they were going to put in what they call a proof of payment system. Um, and that was supposed to go in at the end of this year. Now, let me explain what a proof of payment system is. Proof of payment system is an honor system, essentially. You're supposed to buy a ticket, but there's nobody that checks the ticket. Like the, the driver of the train, they're not going to be checking the ticket. It's not like in Las Vegas. Like if you ride the monorail in Las Vegas, you have to buy a ticket and and then you have to put that ticket into like a gated area that opens up and then you can get into the monorail. Like if you ride the monorail, there's nobody that checks your ticket, but you can't get into the monorail area unless you've bought a ticket and you put it into the machine. That's not going to be how it works in Milwaukee. If they even put this into place, it's going to be essentially the honor system. You, you buy a ticket and then they will have spot checks which means occasionally somebody will come and ask to pe- see people's systems. You do that because you, you make the calculation. The reason you would do something like that is you make the calculation that by the time we actually paid somebody to either be a ticket taker or set up uh, a system where you have to pay in advance or whatever, that would cost so much that it, it wouldn't be worth it. So we'll just trust people. Now the way the system is geared right now is that they ultimately plan that they're going to have to generate about seven hundred thousand dollars a year to to help you know pay operating costs for the for the streetcar. They're going to have to generate about seven hundred thousand dollars per year based on on the passengers who ride it. That that's kind of what the estimate is, but given the fact that at least so far it's been a success given that it's free given the fact that they're even in the even if they decide to make you pay for it it's not going to be a system other than the honor system. So you know that there's a lot of people who are going to be riding the thing who will never pay and will never get caught, which makes you wonder how they're going to generate $700,000 in revenue. Given the fact that the experience, it's kind of all over the map in different cities. Cincinnati, um, has seen, you know, declining ridership. Other places, well, you know, they they started charging and they didn't have the ridership drop off dramatically. Here, here's my question. Given the fact that it appears to be a success since it's free, should the city of Milwaukee just say, you know what, we're going to give up plans to charge? You know, there's not a practical way to do this. Even if we start charging, a lot of people are just going to ride for free and we're creating a system that essentially allows them to do it. Should they just say once and for all, we're going to make this free? 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, of course, if they do that, they've got to find somewhere to come up with the extra 700000 dollars in revenue um, once Potawatomi stops subsidizing these free rides. But is it worth it? Just to say, we're going to open this up and let it be free. And if they do that, all right, how does that affect, if at all, you know, other transportation sources? The bus company, for example. Um, you know, how does that affect bus lines if it's free to ride the hop? You know, does, is that going to hurt the bus company? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text line. Should we make it free, in order to, I don't know justify its existence, and keep it being a success. Will it be less of a success if people have to pay? 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Early numbers for the hops are, hop is is good, better than perhaps I thought for a December. I think part of it is a novelty factor, and a large part of it is that it's free. If it's going to drop off ridership substantially, if you start charging – Well, should you just figure out a way not to charge? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. We're back to discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 242, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 244, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Personal note, my friend and bingo buddy John has his birthday today. Happy birthday, pal. 414-799-1620. All right, fair is fair. The, The early ridership... Numbers for Tom Barrett's Trolley Folly, the Streetcar, the Hop, are exceeding what they projected, and that's great. Of course, the asterisk there is it's all free, and so at some point in time, they plan to start charging. They, they their their whole business plan is they're counting on generating like seven hundred thousand dollars every year from ridership, but even in a best case scenario, what they're doing is you're, it's kind of the honor system. You're supposed to buy a ticket and maybe somebody will check it out, but th- there's not going to be somebody collecting the fares from you. So how many people aren't going to pay? I don't know, 20%, 50%, 80%. I, I don't know what that number is. So it, it's not like there's any certain way they have of collecting it. All right. It, should they just make this free all along and then figure out how they're going to pay for it, increase property taxes, whatever? 414-799-1620. Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're on WTMJ.
1: Hey, Jeff. How are you doing?
0: Real well. Thank you, sir.
1: I mean, this whole, there's so many holes in this whole business plan. It's not even funny. Right. Number one, $700,000 will not even cover the, the operating costs
0: right yeah it's a portion of it yep, yep
1: yeah a portion of it okay where's you know the balance obviously the top of them. and then like you said it's it's going to be like uh i doubt very highly that everybody's going to you know everybody's going to pay
0: well no i mean i i can see a lot of people i probably would you probably would but let's well, face yeah, it there's a yeah, lot of people right. they're just going to jump on i don't have a dollar or whatever i'll get it next time or whatever you well, you know there's going to be a large percentage
1: the yeah they do it with the bus system you know i mean but uh I know my, my son, who he's in his 20s, my youngest one, he's in his 20s. They all live in the east side and whatever. He said, no, no, nobody rides it because, A, it doesn't go anywhere. Right. And, B, he said, I'm not going to stand. It takes me 30 minutes. We, four of us, three of us can get on an Uber. Yep. And it'll cost us a buck and a half, two bucks a piece, and we'll get door to door in, like, three minutes. Versus yeah. 30, what, 35 minutes? Yeah, two and a half miles, something like that.
0: Right, and then you're going to have to walk. Let's say, let's say the place well, that my, you're going isn't right just, on the line. You got to walk. Though. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, you know, no, who wants to stand out there?
0: Yeah, right now. Thanks oh, to call. Well, I'll, I mean, I'll tell you. I mean, I I was downtown for an event last Saturday. We had our our holiday party, and it was downtown in the third ward. And I really, I mean, I saw those streetcar tracks, and of course, they they really. I mean, they really kind of bisect the city down there. I, I'll be curious to see how it ultimately reacts to that. But, look, I mean, I, I have all those concerns as well, and that's why I'm kind of skeptical. I, a, number of, a number of you have contacted me saying you don't believe the numbers because when you see the streetcar, it, it's empty, et cetera, et cetera. The the numbers are supposedly measured by electronic sensors on the doors that count people when they get on and, and get off. And I, I just I, I- at this point in time, you know, we're taking the numbers as they are reported. Maybe somebody will say, you know, this just doesn't appear to be making sense based on observations. I'm not sure you're going to get any kind of journalism like that in the city, because number one, maybe it's not true, and number two, you know, everybody wants this to succeed. You know, we we, we just, we can't question it. But the truth of the matter is, at some point in time, you have to make the decision about whether you're just going to make it free, and I I candidly, I think that's the direction the city is going, because I Think they realize number one that that the ridership will drop off dramatically if if it if you do start charging, and number two, if you're not going to have some sort of consistent way of charging, again, not have somebody taking the tickets, you, you know, it's almost like why bother? Because then it, it is if it's just the honor system, it's kind of like why bother? James in East Troy, James from WTMJ. Good afternoon.
1: Good afternoon,
5: Jeff. What do you think? I'm thinking donations take donations for people that ride it and want to use it, take naming rights from businesses, and um, work
0: it from there. Right. So instead of saying there's an – you just say, look, it's going to be free, but then you put up a sign saying, look, if if you like this service, you know, it it isn't for free. If you want to see it continued, please make a donation. And maybe instead of a buck, maybe you'll have somebody throw in a 5 or a 10 or a 20, and that, that would make up for 40 riders where 20 people aren't going to pay in the first place.
5: Yeah, it's probably true. I, I mean, we were on it a couple times. My daughter lives down on the east side. Uh, I mean, I, I was looking for a place. You know, is there some place you can put money in here to give them <laughs> some money? Yeah, that was my, my thought. I mean, it's 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 a nice ride. Yeah. Uh, once we were on it, it was uh, it was pretty thin. There weren't too many people on it. Right. But one time we didn't almost go on it because it was so
0: full. Yeah, uh, and I and I'm sure it, I'm sure it's kind of hit or miss. That's why I. I want to be fair and I get all these emails from people who work downtown and they say yo we see this all the time and it's, it's just transporting air and I'm sure that's true a lot of the times and on the other times I'm sure James that there are occasions where th- there there might be something where you know you've got the cars that are full but you're thinking in, let me ask you this if you had to pay if people had to pay do you think less people would ride you know I think the
5: people that won't pay are the people that are a little tighter on funds, uh, and it's not that they wouldn't pay; they just think, "Yeah, I could use that buck or two for this round trip on a bill."
0: Right, right. No, I think there's. I mean, I no. Thanks for calling. No, I, I think. I mean, I mean. Here's the bottom line: all these restaurants. You know, I understand, you know, one of the things that's always been around is you have these restaurants that that came up with this concept of here. We're going to we're going to allow people to pay what they what they like. Remember, you you know, you got that pay, pay what you like. And the places that did that, you know, they got a lot of fanfare and things like that. But once they ended up doing that, they almost all go out of business because it just it it doesn't it doesn't work out. Because people just, you know, if they can get it for free, they they end up taking it for free. And I mean, I don't fault them for doing things like that. It's it just kind of the reality that's there. So now I understand there's people that desperately want the streetcar to succeed. And they think that this is the future and they think that this is going to be Tom Barrett's legacy. And they are enjoying the fact that, again, if you believe the numbers, you've got, you know, two months that are really good. And and that's all great. And and maybe this will really work out. But, you know, the more you think about it, I think if people had to pay and you made them pay, I think it would have a, a completely different perhaps reaction, which is maybe why the city needs to figure out a way to try to give it to people for free. Now, if you do that. What's that going to do to the other businesses? What's that going to do to Uber? What's that going to do to the bus company? And if we're going to make the hop free for a lengthy period of time and extend it, well, then, you know, shouldn't we be making the bus rides free? Hey, maybe we're on something. All right, let's take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll find out what John McCure has on his mind for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Stick around. It's 252. This is Jeff Wagner.